Hey guys, this is Phil, and you're listening to the Vision Podcast, and we're glad that you're joining us. Have you ever had this mindset that once your ship comes in or once you're better off financially, you'd be able to give significant gifts? Well, what if you can do that today? You're about to find out in this podcast. So take a listen and enjoy. Would you stand up with me this morning? <laughs> would you stand up with me? I, I, I want to read a scripture, and then I would like us to pray. And then I want to get directly into the message today, and then we'll receive tithes and offerings later. And you'll probably know why. It's not that I'm not raising money today, okay? So take that off the table so you're not nervous about that. But I want to read to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. It says this, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let's pray. Would you pray with me, Father? We just ask you this morning, Lord, for your presence to be here. Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. We thank you for what you're about to do. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. 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 You can be seated. Once you get seated, tell your neighbor, you're looking good today. You've lost some weight. Man, I can tell. Good job. Pat on the back. So, I just read the scripture out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Well, so it's one thing to say, you know, that if you sow a little, you're going to reap a little. If you sow a lot, you're going to reap a lot. But what does this word bountifully really mean? What does that mean to you? So to answer that question, I want you to go with me over to Mark chapter 12. And I want to read to you a scripture out of Mark chapter 12 that's an account uh, of something that actually happened and You'll be able to follow right along. It'll also be on the screen if for some reason you have difficulty. You shouldn't find a mark. Matthew, Mark, second book of the New Testament. In verse 41, it says this, that Jesus sat down near the collection box, which is in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped two small coins. And Jesus called his disciples to himself. He said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all of those others making contributions. For they gave a tiny part, everybody say tiny part, of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, gave everything, say everything, she had to live on. So there's several things I just want to point out that I'd like you to to look at with me in this scripture from verse 41 to 44. One is that Jesus sits down next to the contribution box and he's watching what's being put in. The Bible says in another place that where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. God cares about your finances. He, He cares about where your heart is. And so notice that he's watching this. He's watching what put in, what what was put in. And then the second thing I want you to notice is that the rich gave a tiny part of their surplus. That means they had plenty of extra over here. So they gave 
a small amount over here, even though in comparison to what the widow gave, it was a very large sum of money. So many people would look at that and they would look at the amount and go, wow, that's a large amount of money. But how many of you know what's a large amount of money to one person is not necessarily what's a large amount of money to another person, right? That's all perspective. You know, for some people it's not, they don't blink to write a $5,000 check. Other people, you know, a $50 check may be a, a big stretch for them. Everybody's at, at different places, right? So notice this, that the, the poor widow gave, what did she give? Everything. You can't give more than everything. It's not possible. Because everything is everything. This is all I have. And so because she was willing to do this, think about this, that a tiny part of their surplus is, and going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, that tiny part would be considered a sparing gift. Why? They have plenty left over. If I have a million dollars in the bank and I write a $2,000 check, that's sparingly, right? In comparison to what I have. And so, but notice this, that giving everything is a bountiful gift. Why? It's everything. I'm telling you this for a reason. Let me say these couple things and then I want to mention something to you. See, bountiful is liberal. It's generous. But sparing means this. It means practicing careful restraint as in the use of resources. That means you're holding back plenty so that you can give a little bit. You know, I know people in my grandparents' generation that lived through the depression. They learned how to hold on to stuff because they never knew when they were going to have it again. So they were very limited in what they were willing to give because of that. You know, and so people that live through that sometimes have that mentality. But what determines a significant give, gift? In, the, in, in other words, what, what determines whether or not this gift is bountiful? Is it the amount? No. It's not the amount. Why? Because a bountiful amount to you may not be a bountiful amount to someone else. Right? And so... Is it's not the amount, but it's the amount in relation to what you have. This is really good news. And why do I say that? Because that means anyone can give a significant gift. It's not the amount. A lot of Christians that I talk to, they're waiting until they have the ability to write big checks. They hear about other people that wrote, you know, a $1,000 check, a $5,000 check, a $20,000 check. And they're wowed by that. And they go, man, I can't wait until I'm at the place where I can start giving those significant gifts. When God is saying, no, no, you can give a significant gift today. Why? Because the widow did. All right. So let me keep going here. So anyone can give a bountiful gift. Wow. So verse 7, let me continue reading in, in, in 2 Corinthians 9. 
Verse seven says this, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, another translation says, or of compulsion. You know, how many of you have ever bought something on compulsion? Compulsively, you purchase it, and then you were like, okay, I'm glad I can return this, you know? (laughs) Didn't really want that after all. So you don't give out of compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, let me read to you in the next verse, in verse 8, it talks about the result. That if you give bountifully, and if you give cheerfully, here's the result. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified because I like things louder. Sound good? All right. Second Corinthians, one of you caught that, or maybe you just didn't laugh. It wasn't funny, I guess. Second Corinthians 9, 8, in the Amplified. It says, and God is able to make all grace Every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always, everybody say may always, always. and under all circumstances, say all circumstances, and whatever the need, let me tell you, these are all life situations that you're seeing here. That you may always, under all circumstances, whatever circumstance that you're in, whatever need that you're in, be self-sufficient. That means what you have is everything that you have need of. Self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnished in abundance, amply supplied. To support every good work that promotes the gospel of Jesus Christ. I added that last part. But it's good, isn't it? Man, that means that this is the result of your bountiful giving and your cheerful giving. So there's two extremes that I see in giving And one extreme is the person that has the attitude that they are giving to get. And there's disillusionment in that. How do I mean that? When you're disillusioned, um, then you kind of have this attitude that I I need to give something because I want to get. You know, you're giving to get bigger, to get better, to have more. And this is the motivation behind giving. And I remember I met this young guy in Tulsa, and he said, Phil, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. And he said, man, I just don't know what's going on. Man, I am giving and giving and giving and giving, and I'm just not seeing the increase in my life. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I gave this, I gave this, and basically he was giving away all of this stuff that he had, and he was giving away finances so that he could have a bigger return come in. So this is one side. So he then became disillusioned because he's not understanding why he's not reaping a harvest. And so I want to save that, and so we're going to address that here in a minute. But the other side, the second side, which is the extreme side, is a vow of poverty. I need to live in abject poverty. Some people have called it immersion. I remember our neighbor, Nicole and I, our neighbor, one time when we were living in Kentucky, called us and said, she said, I I just have something that I want you and Phil to come and do with me. And Nicole's like, okay, well, what do you want us to do? 
And she said, I want you to come. I'm, I'm doing this immersion thing. Immersion thing? What are you talking about? She said, well, we're, we're going to go downtown. And we're going to... Uh, we're going to leave our wallets at home, leave all of our money at home, leave all of our resources at home. We're going to go downtown and we're going to live on the streets in a homeless community for two nights. I said, yeah, I'm not feeling called to do that. (laughs) Because as I'm talking to her, I'm going, okay, immersion. So, So what's the plan? Well, because we're going down there and we're becoming like them, we'll be able we'll be able to minister to them. And I thought, well, what's good news to a person that doesn't have anything? Resource, finances, blessing. Uh, This past week, um, Nicole and I, our date night is Thursday. That's our date night. We like to go out once a week and we'll do something on Thursday. And let me tell you, when you've been married nearly 30 years, you, you, you're getting slim on the creative things, you know? So I'm open to ideas. You guys have some? Psh, text them to me, would you? Um, but anyway, so, so I'm thinking, well, what are we going to do on this date? Well, then somebody, um, somebody at home said, hey, while you guys are out, could you go to the grocery store? Could you pick up, you know, a couple of things? So we go to Harps, and we're at Harps, and, we're, and we're, we've got those two items, and we come to the checkout and I noticed that the lady in front of us is taking a while but Nicole and I are you know we're just talking so it doesn't matter and it just seems to take longer and I thought well maybe they're price checking something well then I hear the lady say so with a quiver in her lip she said so do you want me to put all this back and I looked at Nicole I said whoa 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 wait I said come on I said I'm going to take care of it for you no, 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 no. I said, no, really. <laughs> I'm taking, I said, it's too late. See, my card's in the deal. And, you know, you just go ahead and stick it in there because they can't argue with you, you know. And so anyway, so, I, so we pay for the groceries and that opened the door to be able to, you know, minister to her. And anyway, as, but I'm thinking about this. What if I had an immersion mindset right then? You know what I'd be doing? Helping her put her groceries back. Right? I mean, I would be, okay, so this goes, I got to get the Mountain Dew back, you know. (laughs) So which is better? Which is good news? Good news is not putting the groceries back. Good news. (sighs) I remember we were in Bible school, and uh, I felt like that guy that said, um, I, I started with nothing, and I still have most of that left. That was, I felt that way, because I was like, wow, we, we just don't have a lot, and I hate beans. I don't know why, what it is. I don't know if it's the texture or what it is, but I, ref, I do not, my wife will hide them and stuff, and I'm, no, I'm not eating it. There's beans in there. I can see them. <laughs> You're trying to hide them. Anyway, sorry, personal thing. Don't like beans. And so, we, so I go to the pantry, open the door, and guess what the only can is that we have in the pantry? It's beans. Well, first of all, I don't, she bought them, I know, but it was like, my word. And so I thought, I'm hungry. And I said, God, the only thing that is in this is beans. And so here's what I did. I began to pray. I said, Lord, you called us here. You brought us to this place. We are going to Bible college. 
at your request, and I can't feed my family. This is not good. I said, Lord, we're givers. We're tithers. Don't I have a promise in your word that you'll take care of me? You know what happened? My phone rang. This was, okay, this is 93, so it's, it hung on the, used to hang on the wall, had the little squiggly cord. Okay, yeah, and so I picked the phone up, and it was this lady that was calling me. She was wealthy because she had a cell phone. She was calling me from the parking lot, and I said, well, what are you doing in the parking lot? And she said, I need you to come down and help me with something. So I hang up. I, I go out of my, apart, my apartment, and run, run down, so I got y'all... We would hear like gunshots at our apartment and we'd have friends over and we'd just say, oh, that, you know, there's a lot of people have the, you know, the, remember the tailpipes that backfire. That happens all the time around here. And uh, anyway, so I'm worn out and this lady, she opens her trunk and she had gone to Sam's. Oh, I think there was light coming from the <laughs> trunk. <laughs> and she said, this is all for you. Now, let me tell you, is that good news? Yeah. That was good news. And so God wants you to have enough and extra so that you have the ability to bless other people. That's what we just read in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, right? And so there's these two extremes of people. And so, so I believe what God wants to help us do is to come in the middle here. Because to give to get is the wrong motive and to a vow of poverty is the wrong idea because it's not going to help anybody. In fact, it's going to take us backwards when God wants us to go forward, wants us to step up to a new level so that we have more ability uh, to do this. But I think some people have become disillusioned. And one of the things that people have become disillusioned about is found over in Mark chapter 4. Would you turn over to Mark chapter 4 with me? I'm going to read this to you. Mark chapter 4. Yeah, thank you for that. Woo! All right. Mark chapter 4. And Jesus is explaining a parable. He has shared this parable um, because he talked to everybody else in parables, but his disciples, he explained the parables. And so the purpose of the parable, let me find it here. Yeah, so he explains the parable in verse 14. And listen to what Jesus says. He, he's talking about the seed. And so the, the parable talks about the different types of soils. And, and this is soil of the heart. And when the seed is sown into good soil, it produces, right? And so this is Jesus explaining that parable. In verse 14, he says, the sower sows the what? The word. The word of God. What I'm doing right now, hopefully by reading this, is sowing the word, right? So he says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word was sown. When they hear it, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. So 
you know, these are the people where the word is sown, but for whatever reason, they don't believe it, and he comes and snatches it away, right? Then verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, where when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so they only endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation comes, when persecution comes, they, uh, and arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble, and then verse 18, it says, now these are the ones sown among thorns, where, and these are the ones that when they hear the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, wait a minute, what were we just talking about? Giving with the wrong motive, getting, giving to get, because you see you see a financial system that's better than your bank. I drove by, uh, I drove by a billboard the other day, it said, it said now, offering Two percent on your savings. I went. I wouldn't even advertise that. I'm, I'm not sure that that really blesses anybody. Does it? I don't know. Anyway, um, so now these are the ones sown among thorns, right? These are the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, and the desires for other things enter in. And what do they do? They choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Now, listen to what he says in verse 20. It says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those, these are the ones that hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. What is he talking about here? He's talking about the word of God. Was he talking about money here? No, he's talking about the word of God. Of God. And so when the word of God goes into good ground, that means hopefully, as my prayer in here to this morning, is that it is going into the fertile soil of your heart and it is reaping in you 30, 60, and 100 fold return. Why? Because it goes in, it plants, and then it grows up and it expands and it becomes greater and greater revelation and it bears fruit in your life. Right? Well, we've taken this scripture, 30, 60, and 100 fold, and applied it to finances. Because I just told you about a bank that offers 2%. And so you look at this and go, oh, I could get 30, I could get 60, I could get 100 fold return. Now, turn over to Luke. Luke chapter 6. I'm going somewhere. Are you with me? Yes. Okay, Luke chapter 6. Turn over there. Very familiar verse, Luke 6, and verse 38. Now we are, what are we talking about in verse 38? Money, finances, sowing. Notice what it says in verse 38. What does it say? Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The measure is the key word there. In order to give bountifully, it depends on the measure in relationship to what you have. I, I want to go a step farther and to say this. It, it is your obedience to what the Holy Spirit is instructing you to give. 
I'm sure many of you are the way I, I, you've all experienced this. If you've been to any meetings at all, any conferences, and you're sitting in your chair, right? And the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, so this amount. And it just so happens to be the, all the money that you have in your savings, or, you know, it's everything that's in the account. It's all the extra that you have. Is that just me, or some of you been in that? Okay can't see with my glasses. I can see here, but I can't see out here. So anyway, so, so the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, right? Well, if you step out and you obey it, what do you think is going to happen? Needs met, seed multiplied, increase so that I'm furnished in abundance for every good work. But I think what's happened is that there's been a teaching that people have grabbed a hold of, oh, I can, I can get 30%, I can get 60%, like, like this guy that stopped me that wanted to talk and find out what's going on here. I've given away my drum set. I've given away this. I've given hundreds of dollars, and I haven't see the, seen the return. What kind of return are you looking for? Yeah. Are you looking for good measure? Pressed down, shaking together, and running over? Coming back to you? Why are you sowing it? Because as a Christian, as a follower of God, everything that we do is supposed to be out of love. Motivated by love. See, I'm not, I'm not here this morning to, to give you some kind of formula to bring, you know, more finances in in. Into your, bank, into your bank account or back to you. I mean, you have a promise. I just read it in Luke 6.38. It's that he said, men will give back to you. Let me ask you an educational question. Does the government have any money? That's theirs? Yeah, it's ours, right? Then where do they get their money from? I should have asked. They get it from us, right? So does God have any money? Okay, yeah, this is an unfair question. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute, wait a minute. No, but uh, he owns the cattle on a thousand hill, right? But what did God say when they, when they brought Jesus the coin? What did he say? Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But give to God what belongs to God, right? So I know God owns everything. Does he have any use for paper bills? No. No. And so how does he bring the harvest back according to Luke 6.38 into you? It says, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will men give back into your bosom? Bosom is an old English word for pocket. I don't have a pocket, but uh, pocket. He'll bring it into you. How? Through people. Just like the lady that we saw at the grocery store. God uses people. He prefers to use us. I know he can do anything. He can move heaven and earth. But what he's looking for is someone that he can get it to so that he can get it through so that you can become a conduit of his blessing to other people so that the love of God can flow through your finances. See, our our motivation should not be, well, The Bible says to tithe, that's the law. I need to tithe. No, what you need to do is everything that you do needs to be out of love for your father. 
God, I love you so much. It all belongs to you. Because when you begin to sow out of your love for him, you'll always be way above the tithe. You will. Okay, let me kind of... Boy, I've gotten into some stuff this morning, haven't I? Oh, my word. Wow. See, with, with Jesus, when Jesus came, remember, remember the religious leaders? The religious leaders were like, okay, they're putting all these regulations on people, rules and regulations. Why? Because all they had were the Ten Commandments. All they had were rules and regulation. And here comes Jesus. They had rules. Jesus had miracles. I mean, he walked in power and authority. And that, this is why they were so angry at him, because they didn't have manifestations of healing and miracles and power flowing through them. They just had rules and regulations. And Jesus said about them, he said, listen, you guys are so motivated by rules and regulations that you have created so much, you can't even obey them yourself. And so Jesus comes along, and what does Jesus make it all about? He said, okay, you've heard that it was said, do not murder. But I say to you, even if you hate someone, even if you have hatred in your heart, you have the spirit of murder on the inside of you. Jesus went bypassed the, the rule, and he went straight to the heart. Remember, he said, you've heard it said not to commit adultery, but I say to you, even if you look at a woman to lust after her in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Jesus is saying it's about your heart. In fact, let me, <clears throat> that's over in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus talks about that. And so it's a heart issue. And so we want our giving to come out of the heart through the avenue of love. What does is, what is, uh, John 3.16 say? The first eight words. For God so loved the world he gave. Giving is the very essence of love. You can't love someone and not give to them, not want to do something for them. Listen, when I, I fell in love with the most beautiful woman in the world, and I'm telling you, she's better looking today than she was in, 90, in 1991, but why would I drive 18 hours from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Phoenix, Arizona? And I'm telling you, literally, I don't even remember the drive. I don't remember the stops. It was like Jacob where it was seven years, but it seemed like a week. It didn't seem like a week. It was 18 hours. And I don't know what it seemed like, but I didn't care. Why? I'm in love. Love, it's not about the rules. It's what can I do for you? What can I do for you? How can I love my father? Because I, you know, I struggled. I really felt like the Lord was saying, I want you to talk about tithes and offerings this morning. I said, well, God, I need you to help me because I don't want to make this thing about rules and regulations because I know you. I know that's not what it's about for you. And he said, no, no, it's about them loving me. God loved you so much that he gave everything he had. For you and me. Man, that's so, so awesome. Wow. So we, we give tithes and offerings out of love. 
<clears throat> when my wife and I were traveling in ministry, and we got to preach at a church in West Virginia, and I met a guy um, who served R.W. Shambach for a long time, and then God launched him into his own ministry where he's doing the same things. His name was Ted Shuttlesworth. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Ted Shuttlesworth, but I mean, he's a fiery preacher, you know, and man, he just, he gets you fired up. And then there's, anyway, uh, so, so I'm sitting in the living room, Nicole and I are sitting in the living room with him, and, and, and he and I are just talking, and he said, he said, Phil, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what happened to me in my finances, because I was asking him about, how did you get to a place where you are now? Because he had gone from having nothing to, you know, their budget is 25 grand a month that they have to raise, you know, and, and God was bringing it in. I said, how did you get to that place? What were some of the things that you did? And he said, Phil, on this very living room floor, he said, I laid down and I cried out to God because we were going broke. And I said, God, what is going on? He said, I laid on my stomach, I laid on the floor and I beat the floor and I said, God, we're going broke. God, we're going broke. God, we're going broke. He said, and after about a couple hours of that, the Holy Spirit finally spoke to my heart, and he said, you're not going broke, you are. You are broke. <laughs> and he said, I started laughing. And I said, God, what's the deal? What's going on? What's the problem? He said, you're reaping a harvest on seed you never sowed. He said, Phil, from that point forward, he said, I determined in my heart every day I was going to bless somebody. He said, I didn't care if it was somebody I saw walking down the street, whatever I had to do, I was not going to let a day go by where I didn't sow seed. So you guys, you guys remember Terry Henshaw? You remember when he came? <clears throat> He's... He is actually the person that is our supplier for the warehouse that we get our products for the warehouse from. And, and so, I was, so I was real excited to have Terry come because it was Vision Conference. And we save, just so you know, we save uh, pretty much all year long so that we can host our guest speakers because we, we take very good care of our guest speakers because we want them to feel honored. And we know it's, it, it is a godly thing for us to honor them. And so, so I was super excited because I'd been saving and I had his check written and I was ready to give it to him after you know, he had ministered. And, and he said, Phil, I want to sew that back into you. I said, you can't do that. He said, yeah, I can. I said, no, you just put this in your hand. And he said, I'm not going to deposit it, Phil. I said, okay, all right. And I was kind of disappointed because I really wanted to bless him. And then we went to the restaurant. So we get to the restaurant, you know, it's after Sunday, and, and we wanted to take him to eat before they left town. And so we get to the restaurant, and I catch the waitress that's serving our table right off the bat. And I said, I don't care if he promises you $1,000. You only get money from me. I will take very good care of you. I said, I'm the one paying the bill. Well, somehow he had bought her off. <laughs> and he didn't even let me pay for the meal. And I'm just going, man, Terry, what is it? What, you know, what are you doing? He said, Phil, and I'll never forget what he said. 
He said, you don't understand how bad I need to sow seed right now. I just went, wow. He said, we need a warehouse. At that time, they didn't have a warehouse yet. And he said, I'm believing God for a warehouse. Well, do you know a short time after that, God blessed him with a 55,000 square foot warehouse for free. The owner won't even let him pay utilities. And so I begin to see the seed that we sow is so much bigger than us. It's about what God wants to do through us to minister to other people in our giving. See, God thinks differently. Remember he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He's not saying, nah, 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 nah. My thoughts are higher than that. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, I'm, I'm inviting you to come up to the way I think. And man, I, that just impacted my life because then I realized that Nicole and I and you, we're all stewards of the finances, of the seed that God gives us. He says in, 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 in Corinthians as well, he says, I give seed to the farmer and bread for food, right? Well, what if we eat the seed? Have no seed to sow. Have nothing to put in the ground so that we can reap a harvest. Business owners understand this. I mean, I'm looking around the room at Dan and at, and at Rogers and other, others of you that you sow seed into your business in the hopes that you'll reap a harvest. Who's the girl that was on the Craig Rochelle podcast that you and I were talking about? Do you remember her name? Okay, she'll look her up. I think... Yeah, in, in cosmetics. But her last name was Lena, wasn't it? Le, uh, Lima? She's looking it up. Anyway, so, but this girl, I was so inspired by the story. I was texting people and saying, you need to listen to this podcast. Because, remember her name? I can't say it. You can't say it? Jamie Kern Lima. Yeah, yeah, Jamie Kern Lima. <laughs> Jamie Kern Lena, Lima. And so she was... She, here she is, a, um, a waitress at Denny's. And she gets a job, she finally gets a job doing broadcasting, television broadcasting as an anchor woman. And that was really her dream job. She was, the, she was the lowest paid anchor woman at that time. She set the record for the lowest pay. And, but it was her dream job. This is what she wanted to do. And she developed a skin condition that her concealer could not conceal it. And so... She went home and she decided, I, I've got to create because otherwise I'm going to lose my career and this is really what I want to do. And she created her own um, concealer that she could put on her face and it would cover that up. And she thought, wait a minute, this is a product we can sell. And so for years and years and years, her product didn't sell. I mean, they just barely got by, but they were sowing seed, and they were sowing seed, and they got an opportunity to go on QVC. And when they went on QVC, they had to borrow money to be able to meet all of the expectations, because it was expected to sell 6,000 units on QVC in a matter of 10 minutes. Man. And so she had to have everything ready. It had to meet their standards, and so she had to borrow money. She said, we had nothing. We had $1,000 in our account. 
But you know what happened? They sold out in 10 minutes. She became, her company became, she went, okay, well, short story. She sold that business to L'Oreal for $1.2 billion. $1.2 billion. See, everybody, so, but I don't want you to focus on the number. I want you to focus on what she did. Business people understand that they put seed in the ground. Could it be that God is tugging on your heart to give a certain amount because it's for you and for other people that he wants you to reach? Could it be that it's much bigger than just you? Because she affected a lot of people by inventing that product. Wow. And so we're stewards. We're stewards of what God has given us. Amen. I want to read... I want to read Luke 6.38. I know I read it earlier, but I want to read it to you. Easy to read version. Uh, Rebecca, go ahead and come and help me. This is the easy to read version. It says this, Give to others and you will receive. You will be given much. It will be poured into your hands, more than you can hold. You will be given so much that it will spill into your lap. The way you give to others is the way God will give to you. Did you hear what I just said? The way that you give to others is the way God will give to you. So much of what God does for us is based on what we'll do for others. Remember, he said, what's the Lord's prayer say? It talks about, Lord, forgive my sins as I forgive other people. So my forgiveness is contingent upon my willingness to forgive. Man, some people say, well, Phil, I tried tithing. Yeah, that's the problem. You tried it. How'd that diet work out that you tried? See, this is for me, personal challenge I have with the Daniel fast. My challenge is nowhere in there does it say that it ended. Fasts are normally for a season, a time. And this was a lifestyle for Daniel. Doing what he did. He made a lifestyle out of it. If you work out one day, are you going to see big difference? You ever done that? Looked in the mirror and went, oh yeah, oh yeah. That looks amazing. No, no, you're like, okay, yeah. I need to hit this six days a week for about the next 12 months. Right? Why? Because it's the consistency. It's the decision that I'm all in. I don't, Lord, I've given you this part of my life. I've given you my heart. But what we need to understand is that our money is closely attached to our heart because where your treasure is is where your heart is. You want somebody to see your heart? Look at your checkbook. Well, now, your, what do they call the accounts? Now, I don't know what they're called, but yeah. But let's look at your ledger. What's it look like? What are you spending money on? Because what we spend is where 
our heart is. And it's okay to have hobbies. It's okay to, to save up and purchase things. I'm not saying that you can't do that. But what I'm saying is, is if we love Him, then we'll make our giving about Him and not, oh, I have to pay my tithe. I have to pay my tithe. I, like treating it like it's a house payment instead of worshiping Him. God, thank you that you brought in all of it. And Lord, I'm, I'm giving this back to you. And thanks for what you've done for me. Man, so good. I want to read one more scripture and I'm going to tell you a very quick illustration and then we're done. Um, Deuteronomy. If you can turn over to Deuteronomy. Chapter 24. <clears throat> I thought this was interesting. This was, my, this was in my daily Bible reading this morning. Um, this is chapter 24 and verse 19 says, these are the instructions, like the whole book of Deuteronomy is basically Moses' last will before he dies. This is his last instructions. This is like his farewell address. Um, to the children of Israel. And listen to what he says in verse 19 of chapter 24. He says, when you reap your harvest in your field and, for, and forget the sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow, and for the Lord your God, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hand. Does anything come to mind? Maybe Boaz, Ruth, remember Ruth? gleaning behind the harvesters. And then it says, and when you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger and the fatherless and the widow. And when you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you, to do this thing. I think sometimes we need to remember where we were. So I want to I want to share this uh, little story to just encourage you. There was this mom, single mom, she had a little daughter and she she was learning about faith, learning about the law of sowing and reaping, the spiritual law. And so she, her daughter came to her and said, Mom, she had a picture of a bicycle in a catalog. And she said, Mom, I would love to have this bicycle. And her mom was about to say, we can't afford it. She started to say it. Well, sweetheart, we can't. And she, and she stopped herself. And she asked the Holy Spirit on the inside, what, what, what do I do? And, he's, and he gave her the plan. The Holy Spirit's our helper, Right? And so she told her daughter, she said, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and get some toys out of your toy box and we're gonna sow them as seed. We're gonna give them to some other kids and it's gonna be a blessing to them. And we need to, we need to sow some seed so that we can reap a harvest. And so her daughter did that. She got together all these toys that she was gonna give away and they gave the toys. Well, a check came in the mail only it wasn't for the mom. It was made out to the little girl. 
<laughs> and this check shows up and it wasn't just enough for the bicycle it was enough for the helmet and the knee pads and the elbow pads and the little streamers on the handlebars but this was the value of that story to me when I was listening to it was that that little girl knows that that money didn't come from Santa Claus it didn't come from mom It came from him. So I think this morning is an opportunity for us to check our motives. It's something we have to do on a daily basis. I was, I was driving back from uh, Dallas and it's about a six hour drive. And so I got on the phone with Becca and we just talked for a long time because she was driving back from Tulsa and we were just talking back and forth. And she was telling me, she said, Dad, one thing I just really appreciate about you is that, that you're led by the Spirit. And I told her, I said, I said, well, Becca, it's a daily. It's a decision I have to make daily and even hourly at times. It's not like it just gets ingrained in you and suddenly that's just the way you are. It's something that you have to decide to do and to be on a consistent basis. And it's something that we have to decide that we're going to be with our finances, that we're going to be God-centered and obedient to what He says to do. And we're going to be generous and liberal and be like the widow who's willing to give what God tells us to give. Let me tell you, I've been in that spot. I gave, we gave away everything. Our house, our clothes, our furniture, everything that we owned. And we went and traveled on the road. And I know God does, I'm not saying God's asking you to do that, okay? Don't get scared. <laughs> but, and, and I know he doesn't ask everybody to do that. But when we did that, we are still seeing harvests from that seed that we planted all those years ago. We put seed in the ground. So would you bow your heads all around the room? I want to pray for you, if that's you, and you say, yeah. You know, I need to check my motive. This is a great reminder for me to check my motive, to check what, <clears throat> what's going on in my heart. Because I want to be generous. I want to be that person that makes a difference in the lives of other people, that has resources and ability to help when people are in need. That's what I desire in my life and let me tell you it's not always easy sometimes you do it and you're like oof you know I could really use that money right now but if the Holy Spirit's prompting you I'm telling you it's the it's the better thing to do because he has a plan for how he's going to take care of the rest of your finances <clears throat> I was so impressed with uh, just while your heads are bowed eyes closed I was thinking about Becca and Josh and you know and so they're figuring out their wedding and a lot of the things that they want to do cost money and so what they did you know what they did they got together they pulled their money together and they sowed a seed <laughs> I was so impressed they put money in the ground. You know what God did? He, he uh, took care of the event center. The event center where they're getting married is free. They, he, she found her dress, which is a miracle, like in two hours. And it was the dress she wanted. And it was a quarter of what the price was. I mean, God began to pull these things together because they put seed in the ground. He began to work. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're going, you know, 
God's really talking to me right now. I want to pray for you. Like I said, this is not a pull uh, for money. This I don't have a project going on. I'm not saying, hey, you know, you need to start tithing. That's I don't watch any of that. But what I am saying is that we need to check our heart and allow love to be the motivating factor in everything that we do, including all of our finances. Because love will motivate the tithe. Love will motivate offerings. Love will put you in a position of wanting to be a blesser. So Father, right now I pray for every person in this room. Lord, you're ministering to their hearts. You know right where they're at. And so I just call that to the surface in their mind. Lord, that you would help them. Lord, you're bringing it to mind, not so that we can push it away, but so that we can press into it. And so that we can see you do a big change in our heart. And so, Father, we press in to that now. We receive that conviction, that place where you're talking to us. And we choose to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. We choose to be the kind of people that we are faithful stewards of the resources and the finances that you have blessed us with. So, Father, I just pray that over every person here. And I thank you as a result of their faithfulness to your word and to love and to giving through being motivated by love you are bringing a harvest back so much of a harvest back to them that they have no room to contain it i thank you for it Lord. i thank you for it Lord. i thank you for it lord in jesus name <clears throat> one last thing and then i'm gonna do one quick thing and then and then we're done see my wife back there um when Nicole and I were in Bible college, we had, a, we had a teacher one time that we were going to be going to lunch with them, with him. He had invited us to lunch that day. But he said, he said, he began to preach about how he and his wife did a garage sale, but it was a free garage sale. And so when we were at lunch, I said, so tell me about this free garage sale thing. What is that about? And he said, well, you know, we got all set up and we set all our stuff out and got it up on the tables and displayed everything. He said, but then as people came by and they picked up something and they asked me how much it was, I would ask them, do you need one of those? And they said, well, you know, my, my, my sister, I was going to get one for her. Yeah, well, just go ahead and take it. And he said, we had so much fun just giving everything away. And he said, Phil, because think about it. What could I really get for that item in comparison to what I paid for it? pennies on the dollar right I say yeah pretty much and he said but if I sow it as seed now I've turned it into a harvest because some some of you think about the warehouse that we have that God blessed us with we have this 8,000 square foot warehouse that has furniture it has all brand new products in it appliances dishes and we're able to bless at any moment when we hear about a fire we hear about a crisis situation we're able to step in and bless them with the things that they need to be able to live where did that come from you don't see the years and years and years and years because what happened is when Nicole and I heard that we went home and started looking for stuff that we could sow into other people I do it with my clothes all the time. If I don't wear something for a long time, it's gone. I'm blessing people with it. 
I'm always looking for guys that wear my shoe size or wear my, you know, size shirt. Why? Because I want to sew seed. And we started doing the same thing with our furniture. We started doing the same thing with everything that we owned. And you know what's happened? God is blessed that we are overwhelmed by the goodness of God because of the seed that's in the ground. Because what does he say will happen? I will throw open the windows of heaven and I'll pour out so much blessing on you that you will not be able to 